Hello there. Thank you for joining me for my very second podcast. I'm very excited to be bringing this to you. And I have decided to split it into three segments uh, because I do different things and I wanted to talk about all of them. You're very welcome to skip ahead. I will put down the timeline information in the description. So feel free to do that now if you like. The first section, I wanted to just do a quick recap of this wonderful opportunity I recently had with the Women in Focus group hosted by the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. The second segment will be my talk that I shared with everyone on the evening of the Women in Focus group Real Stories event. Um, The talk that I'm recording uh, for this session is the longer version. And it goes into a bit more detail about um, what my fears were and um, a bit more details about the background of everything. So I hope you'll enjoy that. And the third segment will be about um, uh, as a freelance, a creative freelancer, the, um, the invoices and how we get them paid on time. Because I know that is a huge issue. And it's one of the top issues when I speak to other freelancers as well. And of course, I will finish with a song and I will um, talk about the origins of that song and the artist. And that would wrap up the show. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Focus Group is a group started by the Commonwealth Bank and I had uh, joined them I think in the last year and I had been following them steadily and they uh, produce very helpful articles for women in business. Um, Things like how to approach business, your mindset, um, processes and process improvements. So it seems to be a very supportive community. They had this idea of starting a series called Real Stories, which focused on uh, women in business and their stories about how they've overcome difficulties in their own lives or in their business lives. It could be both. Um, And I was fortunate enough to um, receive an opportunity to speak and to be coached by um, a professional speaker Um, with six other women and we went through an intensive workshop and I got to meet some of these incredible women and some of them were Laura from Media Seed, Kate who's a lifestyle coach and an MS Australia ambassador, a jungle gen, Danielle of Scrunch, Sarah of Puffling and of course Laura Henshaw of Speaker's Little Secret and she was our coach as well. So it was quite an incredible opportunity and um, I really 
was looking forward to it, but at the same time, I was really nervous because something about speaking in public about your own story is quite frightening compared to the multiple times that I've performed and sung. It's a completely different experience, but one that I'm extremely thankful that I had the opportunity of being able to speak at, and I look forward to uh, similar events in the future because I guess I have quite a few things to share. So I'm about to um, present my story, which I was going to entitle it Dancing with My Fears and the Creative uh, Expression or the Creative Outlet. So I hope you enjoy my talk and I shall see you for segment number three. There I was, standing on stage and about to sing to a live audience for the first time in my life. I had my guitar in my hands and the lights in my face and I was shaking uncontrollably. I was so nervous and I was so afraid of that moment. And I had pictured that moment in my head uh, time and time again because I had wanted to do this for a very long time. But obviously I was afraid and I was very nervous at the thought of um, performing in public, being on stage and in front of people I didn't know. And that fear had stopped me from pursuing this for a very long time. My opening song, and I had a force on set, was uh, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. It was a song that I knew back to front, that I had practiced hundreds and hundreds of hours into. At least that I was confident about. And that was the thing that I could hold on to, that I could focus on rather than focusing on my nerves and my anxieties while I'm on that stage. And so I strummed away, and by the end of my set, I was relieved it was over. But also, I had really realized that it was a new opportunity, and now that I've done this, I can do many more. And I decided to share that story with the Women in Focus group, of the Real Stories event uh, because I guess I felt like in our personal lives as well as uh, in business and in our professional lives and I've seen it uh, a few times and I think it uh, it happens to most people that we have ideas and we have dreams and we have aspirations and visions of ourselves of our personal selves and of our business selves and yet, somehow we get distracted in trying to make that a reality. Or simply, when we are in the process of making it into um, reality, uh, the vision changes. It's not quite as what we imagined. Perhaps there's fear involved, or perhaps there's hesitation, or many other reasons. And then we just stop daydreaming, and then we get back to what we're doing. I read an article on Raptitude about the two types of approaches to living life 
it's obviously a uh, not a um, specific rule and it's quite general but the idea and the concept behind it I thought was quite fascinating and I certainly could see myself being one of the two types and there were either that you lived your life by moving away or avoiding things that you were afraid of or you're living your life by uh, moving towards your goals and making your uh, ambitions happen and of course this is not a linear line which means if you're moving away from the things you're afraid of you're not necessarily getting any closer to the things that you want and of course if you are moving towards the things that you want then your fears and obstacles uh, won't disappear as well and I was certainly belonging to the first group and the great thing about um, my mindset that has changed over the years is that it's no longer what we I guess call a fixed mindset it's a mindset that very much thinks okay well this hasn't worked let's see if we can change it and so after reading this article I could see that I spent a lot of my life uh, moving away from the things I'm afraid of and only in the last few years have I managed to slowly move towards my goals but at the same time I got to address my fears and the things that make me feel insecure and one of the things was public speaking and that's something obviously I'm working on and it's a very exciting opportunity and I have a lot of exciting things coming up okay so let's go back to this whole uh, dancing with my fear speech so as you know I've wanted to be a musician for a very long time from a very young age but I spent my most I spent the most of my time moving away from that goal because I was afraid and I also thought that I wouldn't be good enough now being a performer means you have to get up on that stage and you have to look at people in the eye and you have to confront that as the very first thing so that was a great obstacle that I couldn't overcome for a long time the other thing that had stopped me was the fact that I was trying to ignore the impact domestic violence had on my family and our emotional state for a long time Granted that I was very young and the environment that I grew up in was not encouraging at all. So it took me a little while, possibly too long, to have worked out the emotional growth that I needed to do for myself. Because home was not a safe place. We were made to feel very unsafe and we rarely spoke our minds or expressed how we felt at home because it was dangerous and we feared uh, it would trigger something and when we finally decided for ourselves that we needed to protect ourselves we eventually freed us from that environment and I was about 24 years of age then now we had the support of the local police and friends and family helped us through and we eventually moved on from that environment but once something like this happens and you're suddenly removed from that, there's still a lot of self-work to do. 
there is this theory that I've had in my mind in that I feel like the human emotion, the myriad of human emotions and our feelings are akin to water flowing into a dam. And if that dam isn't, if the water flow to that dam isn't managed on a regular basis, the dam overflows or the dam uh, might actually break. And I've seen this in people that I know and most certainly in my own life. And I think most evidently uh, around the age of 24, my dam had broken completely and it was time to rebuild. So I had a lot of work to do on myself, like I said, and I had to basically put the pieces back together in the right way this time. One of the most helpful ways and this was something that I looked to again and again in my life, especially after my dam had broken, is to find a creative outlet. And looking back to my life, music had always been my creative outlet. It was there to help me express the feelings and emotions that I couldn't uh, express at a time when home was unsafe. But when the home became an eventual safe place where I could rest my body, music became a creative outlet for me to understand my emotions and where they were coming from and the amount of work I still had to do on myself to figure out why I had felt the way I did about certain situations. And I did go to therapy for a period of time, but I also used uh, creative outlets to express things I couldn't um, really put into words and I of course had a very strong social network where I could uh, voice these opinions and receive a lot of social support which is critical to people who are in a mental health situation and they need that support. But I just found that the creative outlet to be really quite helpful for me because once it's um, created, it doesn't belong to me anymore. It's something that's just out there and it's got a life of its own. And it usually becomes bigger than if I were to keep it for myself. And because my community had helped me through so much, I wanted to give back to my community by giving them some kind of some form of entertainment um, and you know what I knew how to do best was to sing and make music and by giving back to the community it made me feel like I had a purpose that um, you know this calling was being answered and I was doing my life's work and I still feel that to this day. And it's why I'm pursuing music and I'm in the process of establishing myself as an, as an artist and I'm in the process of getting that uh, ball rolling further and further along. So it's very exciting for me. But in all honesty, having that creative outlet has saved my life on so many uh, um, occasions. And I feel like as human beings, we need to be part of a community. So when I decided to pursue music as a serious career opportunity, and this was only maybe two, three years ago, I knew I'd be taking on board a lot of different types of fears coming my way. 
and obstacles coming my way. And they're still there and I know that they'll change as I change. However, my relationship to my fears and how I interact with it has changed. I accept it as a part of myself and it's a, it used to be a shadow that would loom in the background waiting to pounce and paralyze me. But after I had looked at myself and figured out what I really wanted, it's now no longer a shadow that can paralyze me, but I call it an old friend that had been around all my life and will continue to be around for the rest of my life. And it's going to be there to challenge me, to push me. And it's going to be there to help me speak my truth. And I certainly hope by sharing this story and just releasing it out that I'm helping people put a voice to their fears and perhaps even consider um, releasing their creative uh, endeavors into the public so that they can give back to their community, but also learn to connect with their community as well. Yes, getting your invoices paid it can be such a hassle, but it can also be a lot easier. And I think part of it is about getting your mindset um, set up. And I think one of the dangers of uh, chasing up invoices is to take it personally. I've had a few clients where they were just so good I'd issue out the invoice and, you know, I'd get paid the next day. And I'm like, yes, this is absolutely awesome. What are people talking about? Customers are great. And then I started getting uh, invoices, the client responses rather, to invoices that um, just didn't happen. I couldn't get in contact with these customers and they weren't responding. And so I'd get into a little bit of a panic. And I discovered one of the worst ways to deal with this issue is to take the matter personally. So, recently read an article on WeWork and it gave me a few ideas about um, what I could contribute to this podcast and to just the freelance community on ideas on how to just manage this um, situation. And I think a lot of it comes down to having the attitude and the mindset that it is not personal and that it's purely business. And there could be multitudes of reasons, none of which is targeted specifically at you. And so I'd like to share some uh, strategies on how to manage this. Now, firstly, I would make the payment options easy for the customer. So not only give them uh, the option of transferring money to you via um, bank transfer, but also having the facility of getting them to be able to pay it via credit card because it's so much easier if you can just whip out your credit card, punching the numbers and just pay that invoice. It takes like split minute. 
the other tip that I would give, and it's something that I've learned recently as well, is there is two ways that you can charge for your time. So by an hourly rate, or you can charge by uh, packages. The um, pitfall, I guess, of hourly rates, because it doesn't suit everybody, is that the project has a unlimited amount of time. So essentially, you're you get the feeling that you're on call all the time because you get you charge by the hour and you have this feeling that the work never quite finishes. And I found myself in this situation uh, twice in the past year and it really stressed me out. So it spurred me on to create these packages where I could specify the results and I had a idea in my mind of the amount of time it would take me and so I take into a consideration um, all the costs that it would um, it would cost me to to run the project as well as a bit of profit that I want to make on top so the money the money that I pay for myself and any other costs involved with making this project and once you include them together and you have like an estimate uh, package rate the next thing that I would suggest is very importantly in the package pricing that you include what we call retainers, which are, uh, I guess you could think of them as deposits, but not just once. So if you think that the project is going to be a long-term project, then it's a good idea to charge by what um, the WeWork said as um, charge by milestones. So for example, if you are helping a customer set up their social media profiles and to build their very first month of uh, content schedule, then perhaps you would charge at the point where the profiles have been set up, the descriptions have been written, and before you actually start to get into the nitty gritty bit of the content writing. So that's milestone number one. Milestone number two could be giving them a, a skeleton of the content schedule and say, hey, I'm going to go with this idea. But before I fill out the everyday posts, let me know what you think of it. And here's a charge for the skeleton. So if the customer at that point felt like, oh, cool, this is a great structure. I think I can do it on my own. Then you don't have to worry about chasing the customer because they've already paid you by milestone. And also paying you by milestone means that the customer needs to be there to pay your invoice so that they can move the project forward. So that's another good incentive for them. And lastly, um, just going back to making life easier for yourself, I would highly suggest you get onto an online accounting system um, I personally use waveapps.com. It's a completely free accounting system and you only pay for what you use. The invoicing is brilliant. There is templates that you can go into customize and it looks super professional. You also have the ability of specifying your bank account details for your customers to transfer money to you, but you also have the credit card uh, functionality. So they have a service called Stripe and that's a global um, trusted brand and they charge I think 3% per, 
per transaction. So if you were charging your customer $300 and they paid by credit card using the Stripe system, you'd be getting back that $300 less the 3% fee, which Stripe will charge. And that fee, of course, can be tax deductible, but as I'm not a registered accountant, I cannot give you this advice and you should speak to your accountant if you do have questions about the fees and how to include them in your bookkeeping business, in your bookkeeping part of your business, I should say. So I hope those tips were helpful for you. Let me know if you have any questions. Uh, my email address can be found in the description details. Wow, you're so great. Thank you so much for sticking with me throughout this podcast. Um, so this is at the end of it. And I'm, I've chosen a song by Gillian, uh, Gillian Walsh that I've heard a uh, num number of times and I've only just recently decided to learn it. And it's called Time the Revelator. And I think it's one of her most well-known tracks and it's such a incredible song and I'm so enamored by these amazing folk artists, people like Gillian Walsh, and they write these amazing stories into their songs. And the mystery and the magic in their songs is that they don't assume that we're our listeners, that we're stupid and they don't spoon feed us, but they tell us these stories. And when we listen to these uh, stories, we're trying, we're trying to fill in the blanks of things that are not being said. And I find that absolutely amazing. The space, the spaces between the songs, the spaces between the lyrics, the fact that she doesn't tell us everything. She just tells us something from a particular perspective. And then it's up to us to complete that perspective. And I find that so, uh, so invaluable. And it's a, it's a, a lesson I really try to incorporate in some of my songwriting. And I've got some new songs in the works that hopefully, you know, will be working towards this particular type of songwriting that I love so much. So here it is, my cover of Gillian Welch's Time, The Revelator. I hope you enjoy it. So once again, I've had to pull the uh, original recording of this track back from this episode due to copyright reasons and out of respect for the artists. So my apologies for that. Um, of course, all episodes going forward now will contain original material and original music um, written by yours truly. So that's a good incentive for me to write more and to write more frequently and to get more exposure for my original material, which is a win-win for me as well. Okay, thank you. I look forward to joining you uh, with my next episode.